This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. the hop forward podcast the greatest podcast you've ever heard coming direct into your ears we're talking all about making and selling beers Uh, uh, uh. yeah they don't make podcast intros like that on other shows (laughs) and there's probably a very very good reason how's it all going i hope you're well i hope you're starting to enjoy spring is it springing where you are? It's definitely springing where I am. So I was in a supermarket the other night and this guy in front of me, he had a six pack of Budweiser in 500 milliliter cans and then he had a 750 mil bottle of Budweiser. Why anyone would want to drink Budweiser in the first place is beyond me. But And this is just how weird I am and always switched on to these kind of things. But I was looking at it thinking, ah, that's really funny how he's bought the same beer in two different formats. And how the packaging style can lend itself to two very different experiences. Now, a while ago, when I was looking to take Emmanuel's completely independent from the Sheffield Brewery, which I ran... um, I did a lot of research into cans and bottles because I started to notice in 330ml bottles that um, sales dropped off. And funnily enough, I was talking to a friend of mine who runs another brewery in Sheffield who used to sell loads of 330ml bottles. I mean, he makes some really out there sour beers um, and all kinds of funky styles. And, um, he, you know, he used to sell about three or four cases to various different customers but he said when I saw him recently that actually he was only selling one case now because cans are where it's at so now he's looking into canning and uh, Sean from Beer Central in Sheffield um, which is a specialty bottle shop um, said to me that um, Emmanuel's had started to fall down the same crack that Thornbridge fell down because when Thornbridge moved to 330ml bottles from 500ml bottles people start to feel a little bit short changed like they weren't getting as much Interestingly, Thornbridge now have got a canning line and have moved to cans. Now, if you hop onto the Hot Forward website, whoa, now we've begun. Um, There's an article I wrote a while ago called, Is This It for Bottled Beer? And on there, um, there's a quote from Simon Webster, who's the CEO of Thornbridge and the head brewer, Rob Lovett, who at last summer's peak ender said that, I'm paraphrasing this, they wouldn't get a canning line until they were convinced that the oxygen levels in pack would be as low as they could possibly get them um, in line with what they can get on their bottling line. Um, and similarly, Shane Swindles of Cheshire Brewhouse said that cans at the moment are a must if you want to try and increase your sales. I mean, they're great for the fast throwaway market we now have. However, we need to concentrate on beer quality across the board before the embellishments 
uh, some beer suit cans, some suit cask, and some suit bottle and some suit keg. The better brewers out there will be able to package to suit, and the better customers will be able to recognise what's the best format to buy a beer in. Um, but we'll be a long time getting there in the current Ferrari market, and I couldn't agree with Shane more. And I think when I'm out there consulting with breweries, one of the questions I'm coming across from a lot of smaller breweries is, should we put our beer in cans? That's a very tough question because bottles have got advantages, cans have got advantages, but cans are dead on trend at the moment. So the temptation is, quick, let's get our beer into a can and there's lots of issues surrounding it. Um, obviously, the quality going in, the dissolved oxygen levels and the total oxygen pack. There's lots and lots to consider if you are thinking of moving to cans. Now, this leads us nicely on to the interview because at Ciba BRX, I met with a friend of mine called Charles who was building a brewery and then... Um, needed to build his own canning line. So he invested a load of cash into building a small canning line to fit that micro brewer market. And it's amazing because actually more and more people are looking at creative ways to put their beer in cans. I've seen people do stuff with beer guns and seamers and all sorts. Um, but his canning line looks like a really, really good solution for small micro breweries that are looking to can. So if you are a relatively small brewery and you're looking to get into cans, then check out this interview where Charles talks about canning and some of the advantages and disadvantages and talks a little bit about his um, small scale linear canner. Um, and it, I mean, seriously, it looks like a great piece of kit. And if you want more information, uh, email him at charles at european.brewery.systems. Don't put .net or .com on the end of that. It literally is charles at european.brewery.systems. So crack open a beer if you've got one and let's get into today's episode with Charles from European Brewery Systems all about canning and his linear canning machine. I'm here with Charles Sibold in front of a very shiny piece of equipment. What is it? It's not a spaceship, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is um, our startup's uh, canning line. It is our uh, forehead one seamer canning line, fully automatic and targeted at small microbreweries that generally don't have the budget for big shiny rotary yeah. systems. Wow, amazing. So before we talk about the canning machine and what, why you invested a shed load of money into developing it, uh, let's, let's just talk a little bit about canning. So, um, do you know on Facebook when it comes up with the five years ago today thing? Um, uh, not too long ago, I saw it. I wrote an article actually for the Hot Forward website about this. Um, a friend of mine called Sean runs a bottle shop and he just opened it five years ago and he stood there with all his bottles in the background. And then if you go in it today, it's largely cans. Um, so, obviously, a lot of breweries are moving into can now. What, what, what do you think some of the advantages of can? are over bottle uh, and why do you think we've seen a mass exodus from glass to aluminium? So I think there are a number of factors uh, that are driving the adoption of cans. Uh, from a brewer's perspective, um, brewers are out to protect their incredibly expensive investment in hops so um, a lot of the, the craft beers have um, are highly hop beers um, some of them aren't necessarily highly hop beers, but the hops that are chosen for a particular brew can be very, very expensive. 
If you look at um, hops like Victoria's Secret or Galaxy or, you know, the, the list goes on. You're looking at some very, very expensive hops. And when you put such an investment into every batch of beer, you want to make sure that that beer tastes as good as it um, did when it left the brewery or when it was in your, your um, bright tank as when someone opens the, the package at home. And with glass, there is a degradation over time through the cap, um, light uh, ingress through bottles, even brown bottles have a certain amount of light ingress. So from a brewer's perspective, I think, I feel that it's, it's, it's their in determination to protect the investment in every batch of beer. From the retail aspect, retailers are guarding shelf space so they can stack more cans in the same amount of shelf space as they can for bottles. Um, the handling aspect of cans can be a little more careless than you can with bottles. Um, even with shipping, uh, cans tend to fare a little bit better. And you know the fact that you have less breakages during shipping affects both the brewer's margin and also sometimes the actual retail outlet's margin if they've taken delivery at a, at a warehouse and then they have to ship onto their stores. Breakages between those two points are their responsibility. So I feel that that's one of the, the reasons why uh, retail outlets are moving towards can. And in, from the drinker's perspective, a lot of the craft drinkers um, are starting to understand the fact that you know there's less ingress of oxygen into cans um, so the beers taste better uh, there's also the fact that you know you can travel around for some activity on the weekend with cans a lot easier than with yeah, bottles sure. you don't want to be cycling to meet your mates for a game of football with four <laughs> bottles of, of, of beer in your, your bag because if you fall or have a bike accident it could be a bit of a mess i must i must say it's, i've had a few dicey moments where i've come back from beer central with some bottles in my rucksack and i, I hope i don't come off <laughs> yeah so um i th i think the progression to cans is multifaceted and, and 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 i think that's what's driving the adoption so quickly mm. do you think there are any disadvantages to going into can then I believe canning is a little harder than bottling. There are a number of, of ways to can. Um, there are nozzle-based um, sort of uh, canning systems. There are isobaric-based canning systems. And both of those uh, options work slightly differently and result in a slightly different uh, finished package for the brewer. And depending on budget and you know those sorts of aspects, a brewer has to make that decision. Yeah. So how should breweries and brewers make that decision when they're thinking of going into can? Because I think there can be the temptation that there's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction of, oh, loads of breweries are putting out cans, our competitors down the road have moved to can, we need to put out cans. But, and I've, I've seen this with some more traditional breweries thinking, oh, we need a can product, and then they struggle to shift it because they're not known for can beer. At what point should a brewer decide to move into can and what should they factor in when they're thinking of moving into can or investing in a canning line like this? So in terms of moving into can I guess they might want to start with a single uh, maybe uh, specific recipe or particular beer that they want to target at um, cans. Probably a beer 
targeted at, at summer activities or seasonal, summer seasonal beer, um, light drinking beer that is targeted at being mobile and you know based around activities because that is something that they can push into the market. In terms of how best to go out to canning, I guess contract canning is probably the easiest route to do that a lower investment um, from the brewery's perspective. No one wants to, to have a lump of capital tied up in anything, um, myself as well. So I would say contract canning is probably the route to go. The other route um, could be um, once the brewery's been contract canning for a small period and, and it is something that's working for them, they could then look at an entry-level system like ours. Um, while our system is entry-level, it still has some very high-spec uh, functionality and features, but they could take that uh, on higher purchase via a finance company. And there are finance companies that offer um, very, very low interest rates on, on higher purchase systems, and we work with some. So, I mean, a lot of people, as you sort of touched upon there, um, are turning to mobile canners to package their beers, you know, the companies that will rock up on site and literally um, can it for you. But why do you think it is better to, if you are getting into the routine of canning, to own your own canning line, even if it is a small one, uh, rather than using a mobile canner? Because sometimes you hear these horror stories from some of them. Obviously, there's some really good companies out there that do it, but I've heard horror stories from some mobile canners and how oh, it was oxidised and all the rest of it. Okay. So... Um, I don't want to put anyone's business model down, but um, when you are working with a contract canner, you don't have control over the sanitation of that equipment. You have to take it on um, their word that it's been sanitized. You have to take it on their word that that partic particular piece of equipment has a certain level of DO pickup. All canning systems have a DO pickup. Um, there isn't a single type of canning system that doesn't have a certain amount of DO pickup, unlike with bottling, which is significantly lower. Um, but if you are gonna go with self-canning, you can search out and have a machine specced to whatever your budget is, and you then have that system in-house and you can control all aspects from the speed of canning to um, your CIP process for hygienics and so forth uh, and, and that just gives you peace of mind. Mm. So ultimately you get, you're getting that control and that yeah, level of flexibility about, about yeah, yeah, for sure, I get that. Um, what, I think, as you, again, as you sort of touched upon, uh, one of the biggest concerns surrounding canning is the amount of total dissolved oxygen in package and it's, it's harder to flush oxygen out of um, a can because of the orifice is bigger than a, a, a bottle um, and talking about um, TDPO seems to be the big topic at the moment amongst brewers. Like, how seriously should brewers take this concern? Because obviously, you know, if you're making an IPA, obviously you don't want it to go stale quickly because of oxygen. But you would hope that that can will turn around quick, quick enough for, for not to get that oxygen impact and the digression of the flavour. Okay, so um, I, I believe that the craft beer market has um, a customer base that is. Uh, very much enthused in the product and as a result they have very high expectation levels um, compared to uh, say beer products in cans by very very large macros and I think that when you're canning your beer you should consider the quality of the of the beverage 
at its maximum shelf life because all that you need to have is someone purchase your cans, forget about them, they end up at the back of their collection and then they try them six months or a year later and they open them. Yes, it may be past their, their um, sell-by date or close to the end of your sell-by date or, or use-by date and if they're oxidized by that point, they're going to be on, you know, untapped, untapped and, and so forth and Twitter and that's what actually becomes your company's image all that bad publicity so you need to be planning to minimize that bad publicity and I feel that DO pickup should be should be something that's considered very heavily yeah totally I mean, I, I remember going into a pub once, Not we're not talking about cans and bottles now, this was cask, but um, I went to this pub and I don't think the landlady recognised me as the brewer, so I ordered a pint of my beer and I sat down with it and I said to my wife, that does not taste like it should be. Now obviously we all know cask beer goes off much quicker, but I thought for anybody who doesn't know my brand and my beers, they're going to think that's what that beer tastes like. They're not obviously savvy enough and you know, as, as most drinkers aren't, educated around it they just want a, a real ale or craft beer or whatever and that's that can be really hard for for brewers definitely um do you, just moving on do you, do you think bottled beer will diminish um further over time as technology improves and people start to demand fresher beer i i think bottles are going to be around for a little while there are there are individuals that don't really want to go the, the can route um, the slightly older beer segment doesn't really like the idea of buying beer out of a can yeah. or drinking beer out of a can um, and most craft beer drinkers don't drink their beer out of a can they will pour it into yeah. a glass so if you discount the uh, enthused craft beer drinker and you look at um, your, your normal beer uh, market those individuals look down on cans there are also territories like Eastern Europe as an example where cans are seen as a cheap product um, they're also looked down on uh, because of, of the problems with uh, botulism just after World War two and that stigma hasn't quite um, gone away with cans in in those territories whereas in in you know the Western markets cans are sold the cans that are sold are of far better quality um, and so there are all these sorts of aspects that affect the adoption of cans or affect the um, retention of a market for bottles and I think that's going to be a while around for a while I don't know how long uh, but I, I think it'll be a while before that's completely gone yeah so Tell us about your canning line, because from a conversation I had with you before, I, I know you didn't just wake up one day and think, you know what, I'm a bit bored, I'll just, I'll make a canning line. And it's, I think it's a really interesting backstory, so t tell us a little bit like, what, why did you decide to okay. invest a load of money into making this? Alright, so um, I got into craft brewing uh, primarily because uh, my mum is a beekeeper, um, and I got into a bit of beekeeping, and I had so much honey that I just didn't know what to do with. And so I tried the whole mead thing, um, and then I, I looked into Braggot, started brewing Braggot uh, beers, um, and then got into craft beer and decided, you know what, I'm going to try and, um, you know, build myself a, a little craft brewery, which is is finally coming to fruition, um, almost three years later, um, with all sorts of heartache and pain. But as part of the planning for that craft brewery, 
setting up packaging was one of the things that, um, you know, one of the aspects that I had to look into. And the cost of canning lines was so high. In fact, the cost of a canning system was twice the investment of the whole brewery equipment um, that I was looking at for my small sort of um, uh, 12 hectolitre brewery. And, and I just felt it was obscene that uh, one piece of equipment uh, for my very small craft brewery would cost more than the rest of the investment. Being, um, uh, or coming from a, a, an engineering background myself, software engineering background, and, and being in software engineering for the last 20 years, um, I thought, you know, how hard could it be to, to produce a canning machine? And so foolishly, um, after a, a, a discussion with uh, Doug McPherson, he challenged me. He was like, oh, well, you should just make a canning machine. It can't be very difficult, could it? Um, yes. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I accept your challenge. And I, I, I took that challenge. It was a terrible mistake um, financially. It was been, it's been very difficult uh, for myself and for my family because the investment that's gone into uh, designing a canning machine, buying all the spare parts, breaking components, not getting replacements from manufacturers because they've been used incorrectly up until getting to the point where I have a machine that now actually works and that actually can can beers, an isobaric canning machine that can can beers with very low deer pickup um, has been quite a journey. Uh, would I do it again? I don't think so. In hindsight, 2020 vision as they say, um, I don't think I would take on such a challenge but now that I am here I have actually started working on the next sort of canning right. project. Wow. Was it a little bit, so when you finally got it up and running, was it a little bit like that bit in Back to the Future where Marty goes back in time and he, he seeks out Doc Brown and he, he takes him to the time machine that Doc built in the future and Doc's like, it works! <laughs> and he's like really happy. Like, What was that like um, when he started running? I, I, like, I like the idea of that concept or, or, or you know, the, the whole Back to Future thing. In my case, it wasn't. It was more like, uh, when we got it running, it didn't work and it had all sorts of problems and, and it's taken a number of months to fix iteratively, um, fixing all sorts of mistakes, um, design mistakes, going back to tooling companies. A, l a lot of the components on the system are um, milled on a lathe and we don't have a lathe, so it's going out to uh, you know someone who does have a lathe and getting help and changes. So. It, it, it has been a progression of, of blood, sweat and tears to get to the point where we now have the first model that can can beers and produce, yeah, a canned beer at the end. Mm. Well, it's, a, it's an amazing bit of kit and I, I would imagine it's going to, you know, sell to a lot of microbreweries and, and small end breweries looking to can sort of, sort of relatively small batches. Why don't you talk us through it because it's, you know, um, just for the benefit of our listeners because when you were telling me earlier it sounds great <laughs> so just just so people can hear so um, one of one of the um, sort of primary goals when designing the system was because I wanted to can my own uh, uh, beer in my very small brewery in Bulgaria in, in the Rilla mountains I wanted a canning machine that was affordable but had the lowest DO pickup and that was my primary focus. It was DO, DO, DO. And so I did a lot of research into it and isobaric filling systems um, came up 
as the, the better design for a canning system. And so talking you through the system, um, your beer comes in from your, your bright tank into um, a pressurized um, holding chamber that has an intelligent pressure controller and a um, solenoid valve on the uh, intake and um, you actually have um, your, your fillers uh, controlled by your Siemens PLC that controls the pressure of your holding tank versus the, the intake pressure to keep a constant or not really constant but keep the right level of pressure for your isobaric filling at all times and that whole process is the, I would say probably the greatest USP of this canning line because it is the only small linear isobaric filling system on the market. There are lots of um, linear isobaric bottling systems uh, on the market but there are if, if none probably no other um, isobaric canning system unless someone corrects me uh, I haven't found one online. Right. Cool. Wow. So, so it's, it's so it comes from the tank at the top. Obviously, it fills them right here. Fills it through the the, the um, forehead uh, filler. Um, we have a uh, pneumatic actuated arm that takes the cans up to the forehead filler. Um, uh, the isobaric um, uh, uh, filling system uh, essentially uh, lifts. Well, we have pneumatics that lift the can up to the isobaric filling system, the cans get filled and then it, it drops down and a, an arm pulls it back onto the track and it goes along the track and picks up um, a cap and then goes along um, and there's a sensor that stops the cans and then lets them one at, one at a time into the seamer. Um, they get seamed and then out the back of the, the unit. Uh, I don't have a rinse or we haven't placed a rinser in the system and the reason I didn't do that is I didn't want to have a canning system that was full of mess and water and and all of that like a number of other canning systems on the market I decided that I would have an external rinser yeah. an ex fully a, a fully separated external rinser to rinse the cans because I wanted a relatively dry area in my canning system primarily because I'm too lazy to have to constantly clean um, a very wet surface. So yeah. this canning system is relatively dry compared to a lot of the competitors. Well, I think m most brewers can relate to the having to clean everything. Yes. <laughs> you know, particularly when it's, if you're packaging your own beer. I know when um, I've done bottles and stuff before, it's like most of it's cleaning. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I think uh, as a craft brewer, 90% of your work is janitorial. As, a, as a, a, a commercial brewer, I think the percentage goes up. Yeah, so. <laughs> and then the rest of it's paperwork. And it's like, oh, I used to come home to my wife and be like, what have you done today? I'm like, well, I cleaned this and I filled out paperwork for that. Oh yeah, and I brewed. Yeah, <laughs> it's like an afterthought, isn't it? Um, so one of, one of the, why don't you tell us about one of the main advantages of this, uh, which you were telling me earlier about the parts. Okay, so um, it, being a startup, uh, we didn't have the capital to be able to go out and buy large volumes of parts from spe uh, specialist manufacturers or even custom manufacture uh, a lot of the parts ourselves. So. Um, in the design of the system, we, um, one of the things that I decided to do was make sure that every part was easily available online from either RS Systems or a couple of other vendors. And all part numbers are visible on the, on the equipment, so 
anyone that owned one of our canning machines could just get, get the part number and go on RS Online or in future our own website and we will tell you where you can actually get the part or you can buy it from us. Um, and the benefit of being able to um, purchase all of your parts uh, online without having to go back to a vendor is, is I think the benefit is, is immeasurable simply because you're not, you're not held to ransom by the vendor and 100% markups for a, for a part that should be easily available on the yeah. open market. And so, and it was one of the frustrations I had when I was looking into uh, canning lines and kegging systems for my own brewery was the fact that every single component, when you ask them for quotation and you ask them for the, the, the spares and so forth, um, the, the prices for the spares were just so horrendous. And so I took the other direction and I, I, I decided I wanted to go as close to an open source route where any part on the system should be easily sourceable online from well-known vendors. Yeah, that's amazing. Where I've purchased them myself. Yeah. So, why would this piece of kit be a good investment for a brewery that's looking into getting into canning? So, I think this piece of uh, equipment is quite a small form factor for what it does. Um, an isobaric uh, filling system normally takes a lot more space. Um, it's easy to maintain. You can change your can um, sizes between sort of from 200 ml all the way up to 500 ml within two hours you can have a, a full set of parts uh, to actually change um, your can size and you can you could can two different cans or can sizes of the same beer in the same day if that was something you wanted to do um, it also means you could probably do for example cold brew coffee uh, in your in your craft brewery which is something that has, is uh, fast gaining popularity and um, I think modern times have started doing that, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. So. And and then there are other beverages like uh, kombucha and kvass, which are very much uh, brewed similarly to beer, uh, but have uh, zero alcohol or or very low alcohol. Some of them are less than 0.5 percent alcohol, uh, but it allows a small craft brewery to make a malt-based beverage that is low alcohol in a can uh, and enter new markets uh, and you can do that all in-house without having to to rely on someone external to you where you don't have control of your quality. Great well if people want to find out more about the canning line and about yourself and want to get in touch and everything how do they do that? So you can visit our website which is European Brewery Systems so european.brewery.systems um, and you'll find some information and we will be getting information uh, for the canning line up on the site. It, it's not on the site at the time of this recording, but it will be on, on the site uh, in, in the coming weeks. Uh, drop us an email um, and I will do my best to respond as quick as possible and work, uh, walk you through the alternatives uh, by email and we can probably come up with a solution for you. Great, brilliant. Well, thanks for your time and thanks for talking about cans. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Ford Podcast this week. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, follow us on social media at Hot Ford Beers and visit our website hotford.beer for more articles, insights and a range of services aimed at helping you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. Until next time, cheers. Right,